Ma Coco? Aye. For Maui, it's a new beginning. With honor and deep respect, we're moving forward. We're ready to get people back to work. We all have to do our part, and we'll make this happen. Working together. We are ready to work. Ready to serve. All ready. 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 We are ready. For more information, visit makokomoe.com. Aloha, I'm Lynn Kawano. Hawaii's drug crisis is changing. Here, the threat is definitely methamphetamine. While meth continues to be the number one killer of users here, experts say fentanyl is increasingly showing up in the pipeline. The evolution of drugs in this episode of The Other Side of Paradise. In Hawaii, it's still meth. It's still real meth. Um, and we have seen an up to a steady increase in overdose deaths on the fake oxycodone pills that are laced with fentanyl. And where are they getting those? Uh, many of them that we find are just street dealers still. That's Leslie Tomayich, the assistant special agent in charge of the Drug Enforcement Administration's Honolulu office. Fentanyl is a powerful synthetic opioid, a hundred times stronger than morphine, about 50 times stronger than heroin, and more addictive. It's showing up in many of the drugs in Hawaii, mixed in with prescription pills illegally obtained. We can get it from street dealers, but even more accessible and easier to get is going online. Social media sites, uh, the internet, internet marketplaces such as Craigslist. You just click of a button, you can buy pretty much any of these pills and have it delivered to your home. Yeah, I'd say the majority of drugs coming into the country come in through the mail. So uh, therefore it'd be, you know, these internet sites are, are perfect for, for uh, getting drugs into Hawaii. The pills that we're seeing on the street that people are getting via the internet and social media are not the real Adderall, not your real oxycodone, not your real Xanax. What they are, they're pills that are laced with fentanyl. They're, they're made in clandestine laboratories where there's no regulation, there's no quality control, and there's no consistency from one pill to the next. So one pill can contain no active ingredient whatsoever, and the next pill could contain a lethal amount of fentanyl. Getting it online, you assume it's the real medicine, and they don't realize that what they're getting is a pill that, that contains none of the medicine they think, and instead is laced with fentanyl or meth and, and produced in one of these clandestine laboratories where there's really no regulation and no quality control. And that's the scary thing. Um, the, the only way to really know that you're getting a real oxy is to go to a doctor, get a prescription. How difficult is it then, because it's online, it's not like a hand-to-hand -hand drug dealer, right? Tell me Correct. the difficulties and how law enforcement has to pivot to try to catch these. Yeah, we have, DEA has specialized groups throughout the country that do nothing but cyber crimes. You know, they do nothing but uh, do undercover buys off of these sites to try and track, track back to the actual distributors. But they're extremely difficult and they're long-term investigations. So it's much harder than going to the street and doing an undercover buy on the street. The use of social media to get the pills also means a lot more people have access. 
it is kids. You know, it's it's high schoolers, it's college age kids um, that are getting these drugs um, online. I'd say it's still pretty much. I don't know. It's a diverse uh, array of people that that are doing this from every walk of life. Drug traffickers are, I, I believe, targeting kids simply because you know their their goal is to get as many people addicted to these drugs as possible, so that they have lifelong clients and therefore job security. And they really don't know, and they don't care who they're selling to. Um, they don't care how many lives they destroy. They don't care how many people die from the drugs that they sell. Um, they don't care that you know, one of these people might be your kid. You know, they just bottom line is they care about making money. Tomajic says parents need to be nosy, get into your kids' social media sites, their private messages, check their email, and snoop through their things if you have to, because drug users don't fit the old stereotypes anymore. Like 25 years ago when I came on this job, there was definitely a stigma to heroin. You know, it's definitely the dirty, you know, the dirty drug. But that's no longer the case. Now everybody, soccer, from soccer moms to, to straight-A students, um, are, are using these drugs. Um, and it kind of goes back to, at least for the opioids, um, it kind of goes back you know, 15 years ago when, when doctors were just kind of prescribing it and then people would get addicted to it. And, and also with like soccer moms, maybe you had a surgery, so the doctor prescribes you um, some of these opioids, and that's kind of how it starts. You, you take too much, and then you get addicted, and then you can no longer get to prescriptions, so you have to go to these, uh, you know, the dark side, basically, either the street or the internet sites to get it. That's what happened to Dave Hogan, a UH student. He became addicted to Oxy and became homeless in Chinatown. It became harder and harder to find these pills. And when you did find them, they would be, you know, overpriced or like way super expensive. And so finally, um, my dealer at the time recommended that I try heroin. And that's something that I always told myself I wouldn't touch. Um, but in that circumstance, when I was, you know, faced with the withdrawal, I didn't have enough money, I wanted to just get my fix to feel better. I was willing to try it, and so I did. I made the mistake of trying it, and um, it ended up, you know, taking a lot of years off of my life. Hogan survived on the streets and fed his heroin habit by being a thief. It was an arrest, the last of several, that finally made him realize he had to get sober or he'd end up in prison for years. He is now getting his master's at UH in social work and does outreach to help addicts. If you have like support system, and if you don't have that family support, like you can find family in in like the rooms of AA or NA or um, if you don't like going to meetings you know you, you find connection with other people. Paige Nakamura also stopped using heroin because of pending prison time. She was facing an open 10-year sentence for drug crimes. I lived um, in the tunnel underneath the Kuakini Bridge. I was I was one of those people that was absolutely written off as written off, never going to change. If Chinatown had a yearbook, I would have been voted the girl most likely to be found of an overdose on the mortuary stairs. 
that that was that that was where it was at so you know by me showing up down here and being consistent and being there for the people that i used to know and newcomers and and the younger generation you know i can i can show people that it doesn't matter how bad you get how in the in the gutter you get you can turn it around you can change your life and you can have a life that is fulfilling and meaningful Nakamura now works for the Hawaii Health and Harm Reduction Center's Syringe Exchange Program. She can be found at the van parked in Chinatown five days a week. She knows a lot of the people who visit from her days on the streets. She now provides them clean needles, first aid tools, and fentanyl test strips. The strips allow users to check their drugs for fentanyl because it's so powerful, a small amount can kill even a longtime heroin user. Fentanyl is definitely a huge problem, and fentanyl is in all the drugs. It's not just in the heroin, it's in almost all the meth. And the reason for that is methamphetamine doesn't cause the same type of physical withdrawal effects like, like heroin and, and, and fentanyl and opioids do. So uh, it's, it's a business decision. You know, it's return business. Get people physically strung out on a drug, they're gonna come back for more, no matter what. Gets them physically addicted. So, you know, as if it wasn't bad enough, it's worse. I believe that meth is physically addictive in a different way than, than, with, than, than with heroin. Without the heroin, I would go through some horrible, horrible physical withdrawals. Um, without the meth, I was tired and grouchy and had no energy. You know, maybe my body would be achy a little bit, but um, it was nothing, it was nothing like the, the heroin withdrawal. In the past year and a half is we've had a number of overdoses or people who are strictly meth users who are completely opioid naive because they have no um, tolerance built up to any opioids. Even a small, tiny amount of fentanyl in the meth is killing them and they're dying. The tests can help users decide if a lower dose should be taken. A couple who visited the van tested their heroin before using it to see if it was laced with fentanyl. See, automatic right there. So what does that mean right there? Positive, yeah, it's positive. The woman fills three clean needles. She's going to inject just one now and save the other two for later. Oh yeah, I have way too much water, but that's okay. She says she works, so she doesn't want to inject into her arm where people could notice the marks. So she rolls up her jeans, cleans her skin with an alcohol wipe that she just got from the syringe exchange van. She sticks the needle into her leg, near her ankle, and pushes the plunger. There you go. The man fills his syringe to the top, more than the woman took. Me, I have a hard time, so I do what we call muscle shot. His veins are no longer accessible, so he shoots into muscles. Today, it's his shoulder. The two say they have tried quitting before, but the withdrawals were too much for them. They visit Nakamura at least once a week to exchange their needles and get more supplies. Without it, I mean, there'd be more um, diseases going around. Um, 
people would be using the same dirty rigs over and over and over and sharing it. Said another visitor to the van. The syringe exchange also helps keep dirty needles from ending up in the parks or on our beaches. And it seems more people are injecting drugs now, even meth users. Dr. Mark Baker, an emergency room physician at Palimomi, has for decades treated patients suffering from long-term meth use. Probably the most common thing we see is somebody who's got heart failure because of their meth. So they've been using it for years. The heart is overworked. It gets big. It doesn't pump well. Fluid backs up in the lungs, and then they come in short of breath. But we'll also see acute intoxications, uh, people who have been up. Um, we just saw somebody who uh, had, uh, the friend said, has probably been up for seven days straight. And like seven days straight, and then you're going bonkers, just not just from the meth, but because you're sleep deprived. You're uh, totally confused, kind of amped, and sleepy and uh, often with that we give them something to just calm them down and then they go to sleep and they'll probably sleep. I've heard of people sleeping for 24 hours. It seems like 12 hours is probably more, more common. Meth-related fatalities continue to go up in Hawaii. 197 deaths were attributed to the drug last year, according to the High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Program. That's more than previous years. Dr. Baker started a website called endmeth.org to give those wanting to quit a place to search for resources. He also does outreach when he's not in the ER. Hi, I'm an ER doc. You need help with like anything? We followed him and Dave Hogan in Chinatown one day, offering support to those who seemed to be suffering from addiction issues. The two passed out cards with phone numbers of service providers. Some resisted their offers. I see some people wandering who look like they need help, probably socially, and you know, unless they tell me that, that it's related to using drugs, you'd never know for sure. Um, meth causes psychiatric problems, and psychiatric problems sometimes end up leading to homelessness, which ends up leading to the, the potential for using meth. So it's sometimes hard to know what comes first. Pretty easy to identify if somebody's tweaking, if they're kind of a little twitchy and uh, heart, you know, if we see them in the ER, can't concentrate, heart rate fast, kind of twitchy, then probably acutely intoxicated. And then if they've got heart problems uh, it, and tell me that they are a meth user, then that's pretty easy to know what the heart problems are from. Dr. Baker says he is hearing that more people are now injecting meth instead of smoking it. I ask lots of questions, yeah. Like why are they injecting? Uh, uh, some because they want to inject more than one drug. So they want and to the, mix it. The, yeah, and the opiates have a, a, a more pronounced effect if they're injected uh, compared to the meth. Dr. Baker says Hawaii's decades-long drug crisis continues to wreak havoc in the community, fueling crime, dividing families, 
and killing people. And signs show it is getting worse, spreading and evolving, making it difficult for outreach workers to keep up. That's episode 12 of The Other Side of Paradise. Mahalo for listening. I'm Lynn Kawano.